Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. Here are today's top stories. A St. Louis judge sanctions the city's prosecutor for allegedly withholding evidence. The prosecutor was reportedly funded by George Soros. Who's that knocking out the door? The IRS is planning to do more audits. The agency also rolled out this year's Dirty Dozen Scams to be on the lookout for. The Chinese regime launches military drills around Taiwan. The exercises include live fire drills and fighter jets deployed over three days. Find out how U.S. lawmakers and Taiwan's forces are responding. Breaking news this morning. A gunman opened fire at a bank in Louisville, Kentucky, killing four people. Eight others were injured. Police arrived within minutes. The shooter died in the exchange of gunfire. Police said the gunman could be a former bank employee. Two police officers were among those injured, one of them in critical condition. Identities of the other victims are currently not public. A St. Louis judge has sanctioned the local prosecutor. The judge says the prosecutor, who reportedly received money from George Soros, didn't handle a criminal case properly. St. Louis Judge Teresa Counts Burke sanctioned Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner's office. That's for allegedly withholding evidence in a double murder case. A man was held without bond since January after he was charged with two counts of second-degree murder. Those charges were recently reduced to involuntary and voluntary manslaughter. And the suspect was released on bond while his April trial was postponed until June. The man's lawyers accused Gardner's office of not turning over evidence, including a 911 call recording and DNA evidence. Judge Burke ruled in favor of the suspect's lawyers, writing, There has been a lack of diligence on the part of the state in following up and providing discovery to the defendant in a timely fashion. Under Burke's order, the man will have to remain on GPS monitoring. She also ordered the circuit attorney's office to hand over the remaining evidence. Gardner said in a statement that her office is working with police to bring justice on behalf of the people of the city of St. Louis, victims, and their families. The St. Louis Police Officers Association accused Gardner of misconduct, writing, These repeated problems are due to the incompetence of the circuit attorney's office. This comes just days after Gardner, a Democrat, said she will run for re-election in 2024. According to the Missouri Times, Gardner received campaign funding from the George Soros' Safety and Justice Committee, and she reportedly worked with the Vera Institute of Justice, which received $11 million from a Soros Foundation. The IRS intends to ramp up enforcement. That includes criminal investigation for certain assets. Meanwhile, the agency has also released its tax scam Dirty Dozen. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more. The IRS says it will increase enforcement in the area of digital asset transactions and listed transactions. Digital assets include cryptocurrency and other digital holdings. A listed transaction is a transaction that is the same or very similar to any transaction the IRS has determined to be a tax avoidance transaction. The IRS says these issues occur in many taxpayer segments with data showing a higher potential for noncompliance. U.S. judges allow the IRS to use John Doe summons for owners of digital assets. That forces a crypto exchange or bank, for example, to provide information to the IRS about someone's identity, which could be difficult to discover otherwise. Officials are promising not to increase the number of audits on small businesses and households making under $400,000 per year. Meanwhile, the IRS released its Dirty Dozen tax scam list for 2023. 
The agency warns that people should avoid sharing sensitive personal data over the phone, email, or social media to avoid getting caught up in these scams. Some of these include fake refunds, where scammers entice people with a large payout and instead steal personal information to use for identity fraud. Another is phishing, where scammers pretend to be real organizations like a bank or the IRS. Fake charities are another scam. Fraudsters take advantage of natural disasters and other crises. People must also be aware of social media refunds. This is where scammers promote little-known tax documents like Form 8944 to lure taxpayers with additional refunds. The forms are real, but many people are not eligible for these refunds and end up making an inaccurate filing or losing personal information. Another dishonest attempt to get your money is called offers and compromise. Those are used by people who cannot pay to settle their tax debts. Fraudsters take advantage and offer misleading solutions to people who do not actually meet the criteria. The IRS says these scams happen throughout the year and not just during the tax season. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Environmental, social, and governance investing. What's the real impact of it? I spoke to Epoch Times financial reporter Kevin Stockland to hear his perspective. He's also a former Wall Street banker and expert on ESG, the subject of his latest documentary. Kevin Stockland, financial reporter for the Epoch Times and producer of the Shadow State documentary, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on. I want to ask you about how ESG could have contributed to SVB's collapse. But first, let's give our audience some background. In layman's terms, what is ESG? ESG is it's both an ideology and an industry. So as an ideology, it's an umbrella term. It includes everything from climate change to racial equity. They um, throw in things like gun control and abortion rights as well. Um, but it's also an industry. It has tens of trillions of dollars supporting it, uh, which is our money, our retirement money, our investment savings and things like that that investment managers use um, to, to take their position as shareholders and arm twist corporations into going along with this idea. In a nutshell, it's a way of diverting corporate management uh, away from their core responsibilities of serving shareholders and uh, in the direction of pursuing a political agenda. Now, SVB received high marks from ESG ranking authorities. Do you think its pursuit to align with ESG values played a part in its collapse? And if so, why? They did. They received top marks in ESG governance from uh, rating agencies like Morningstar and S&P. They're some of the top ESG raters. Um, and they received these marks because they are, are pursuing things like uh, uh, diversity, uh, DEI training, quotas and hiring and things like this. The problem when it comes to managing a bank is that things like people's skin color and their gender um, have very little to do with their ability to manage risk. And we saw the effects of that with the collapse of SVB. Okay, so I'd like to dig into that a little more. How do ESG principles impact the financial health of the companies that follow them? 
So uh, you can, for example, taking a look at their, their 10K reports, which are public filings with the SEC. So SVB was obviously heading into huge trouble. They had amassed a, a very large portfolio of fixed rate securities that were underwater because interest rates were going up. They had a huge, huge mismatch between their assets and their liabilities. And so they were very exposed to um, depositors wanting their money back. However, if you look at their filings, they spent three full paragraphs going into their risks of climate change, uh, how that would impact the, the bank if temperatures went up. They had uh, a DEI executive. They did not have a, a risk management executive on the bank's board between April and January. So clearly they were um, their priorities were focused on other things rather than managing the bank. Um, and they also were getting this direction from the New York from the San Francisco Fed, which manages them. So that that Fed uh, branch was also prioritizing climate change and racial equity um, and uh, one of the uh, the CEO of SVB actually sat on the board of the Fed so it's obvious that they were focused on DEI issues versus basic management bank issues in an Epoch Times article you wrote that bank failures such as SVB highlight the risk of using ESG in Americans pension funds could you explain that for us um, so one of the big fights that's going on right now is between Congress and the Biden administration. The Biden administration would like um, pension funds to be able to invest uh, our retirement money according to these ESG criteria. Um, and Congress has passed a, bi a bipartisan measure to fight back against that, which the president used his first veto to, to block. Now, it's very interesting in the case of SVB, because here we see a textbook case of a company that is using ESG criteria to manage its risk. And we saw the effects of that. And you know, the great irony of this is that their clients were a lot of tech companies that typically support these sort of progressive ESG uh, criteria. However, when they saw that they were about to lose their money in SVB's collapse, they were the first to rush for the exits. Now, the problem is that even though the Biden administration stepped in and made all of these depositors whole and, and, and guaranteed all of their deposits, when we invest our pension money, we're equity investors. And so we are the ones who are going to get wiped out when these companies go south. There's no guarantee for equity investors or pensioners when ESG impacts the returns of their investments. Kevin Stockland, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me on. Sky News Australia has bid TikTok farewell. It will stop publishing on the app to protect its reporters and audiences from security risks. The conservative news channel called TikTok a spy network masquerading as a social media platform. It says the risks of being on TikTok are far too great for any serious news publisher to ignore. It also says the gains are negligible at best. The media agency is one of the first major outlets in Australia to publicly boycott TikTok. Sky News also says TikTok is the only developed social media platform that doesn't have a real commercial use strategy for content creators. Welcome back. 
China held live-fire military drills around Taiwan over the weekend, the day after Taiwan's president returned from a visit to the U.S. Taiwan's armed forces respond by launching military drills of their own. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the drills and the reaction from U.S. lawmakers. The Chinese regime surrounded Taiwan with warships and dozens of fighter jets on Saturday. Live-fire training drills were held. The Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, says the three-day exercises are combat readiness patrols. The simulated naval blockade is in retaliation to meetings between U.S. lawmakers and the president of the self-ruled island last week. The CCP calls the meetings a provocation and promised resolute actions and countermeasures in response. Taiwan's defense ministry says it detected eight warships and 71 planes near the island on Saturday. 45 planes were reported flying across the middle line of the strait that separates Taiwan from mainland China. Taiwan's army, navy and air force launched their own drills in response. Representative Mike Gallagher, chairman of the House Select Committee on China, attended the meeting with Taiwan's president. He said Saturday the U.S. needs to take the threat to Taiwan seriously. The Chinese regime claims Taiwan is part of its territory, despite never having ruled the island. It's vowed to take control of the self-governed island by force if necessary. Gallagher says Congress should step up its military commitments to Taiwan and that the U.S. should quickly send weapon systems for its defense. Representative Mike McCall, chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, says it's possible the CCP could take Taiwan over without a shot fired. McCall says the CCP will try to influence Taiwan's next presidential election in January. The CCP has scheduled more live-fire drills around the island on five dates over the next two weeks. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. A morale boost in Taiwan. Taiwanese people are rushing to buy a patch showing Winnie the Pooh getting beat up by a native Formosan black bear. Many in Taiwan's Air Force are wearing the patch for its political significance. And TD's Colin Fredrickson has more. Winnie the Pooh symbolizes communist China in the depiction on the patch. The image of the cartoon bear is banned in China because it has been used to poke fun at the appearance of Chinese leader Xi Jinping. The Formosan black bear is an endangered bear species native to Taiwan. Formosa is a former name for Taiwan. The idea behind the creation of this badge was to use Taiwan's Formosan black bear as a symbol to make an encouraging badge for our national armed forces. Since they surrounded Taiwan in August of last year, the Chinese Communist Party's military has been incessantly creating problems for our military in our national security. This is why I wanted to create this badge to cheer on our troops. Alex Xu designed the patch and has sold it at his shop since last year. But he saw a spike in orders after Taiwan's military news agency published a photo of the patch on the arm of a pilot. We have placed more orders for the badges because after the media reported on them yesterday, some orders have been coming in. But currently, our stockpile is not enough, so we have put in more orders to the factory that makes the badges. Taiwan's Air Force said it does not particularly encourage its members to wear the patch but it will maintain an open attitude to anything that raises morale. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. Senator Lindsey Graham says he'd be open to sending U.S. troops to Taiwan. The South Carolina senator says it's in America's national security interest. Here's Graham on Fox News. I think they're setting the stage possibly for a blockade of Taiwan, that the Communist Chinese Party is going to test us dramatically this year and next year before the election. Graham said if China tries to block Taiwan, the West should cut off China's supply of oil from the Mideast. 
program also called for the U.S. to aggressively train Taiwanese forces so they can, quote, fight like Ukrainians. He called for sending F-16 jets to the island as well. Graham cited Taiwan's role in producing microchips. He says there's a risk of the CCP gaining a monopoly on the digital economy. Taiwan makes more than 60% of the world's semiconductors and more than 90% of the most advanced versions. Former President Bill Clinton expresses regret about his role in making Ukraine less ready to deal with Russian aggression. He made the comments during an interview with Irish channel RTE. I feel terrible about it because Ukraine is a very important country and I feel a personal stake because I got them to agree to give up their nuclear weapons and none of them believe that Russia would have pulled this stunt if Ukraine still had their weapons. Clinton is responsible for a 1994 deal between the presidents of Russia and Ukraine at the time. An arsenal of nuclear weapons remained in Ukraine after the fall of the Soviet Union. It was ambiguous who had control over them, and Ukraine may not have had the resources for upkeep. Another agreement followed in the same year that guaranteed Russia would respect Ukraine's territory. The agreement was broken in 2014 when Russia annexed the Crimea region, and broken again in 2022 at the start of the current war. Clinton said he knew at the time that Russian President Vladimir Putin didn't support the agreements. A Ukrainian parliament member told Fox News earlier that Ukraine is the only country to ever give up its entire nuclear arsenal, which he says was the third biggest in the world. At the time, he added that the UK, Russia, and the US all guaranteed Ukraine's territory would be respected. Ukraine is now training eight new brigades, totaling 40,000 soldiers. That's for a counteroffensive planned against Russian troops. Their success may determine the fate of the war. We want to warn you, some viewers may find the following images disturbing. Here's the story. More than a year into Russia's full-scale invasion, Alex, a translator with no military experience, is training to ambush enemy forces in one of Ukraine's newest military units in a secret location. He's part of the Border of Steel, the name of one of eight new storm brigades totaling 40,000 soldiers that Ukraine wants to use during its counteroffensive against Russian occupiers in coming weeks or months. Well, I want the war to be over as soon as possible, and uh, I hope that the strike brigade will make it a lot faster. So I want to be more effective. That's why I chose it. Alex declined to give his surname for security reasons. The units have benefited from an aggressive recruiting campaign on social media and billboards with the aim of attracting highly motivated volunteers. The drive comes as Kyiv may face growing challenges recruiting new troops. Its forces have been weathering a Russian onslaught for months in towns like Bakhmut in the east, where thousands of soldiers have died. Kyiv does not disclose its military losses. The new brigades are not part of the army. They're drafted by the Interior Ministry and will fight alongside regular army units bolstered by new Western battle tanks and thousands of fresh troops trained by Allied armies outside Ukraine. We have a large mobilization potential and a huge human and patriotic potential in our country. This includes women too. Border of Steel is commanded by Valery Paditel, who led Ukraine's border guard forces in the defense of now-occupied Mariupol, where he was captured and later freed in a prisoner swap. 
We will keep training. We will train all the time while the brigade is being formed and while we are waiting for battle orders. We will be deployed when required, when the military leadership decides, when we will be told that our time has come, that we need to perform tasks given to us. A great deal is riding on the counteroffensive for Ukraine. A bungled and bloody attempt to seize back territory from Russian forces could dim optimism among key Western backers and push them to encourage Ukraine to seek negotiations with Moscow. Russian forces still occupied tracts of the east, the strategically important south and the Crimean Peninsula. A new furry friend is becoming an increasingly popular house pet in the UK. They can weigh up to 30 pounds and they're definitely cuddly. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. This is Jackson. He's a continental giant rabbit and he's a big boy. He's almost 11 kilos and most people's dogs don't come up to that. You know, a small spaniel will be 11 and a half, 12 kilos. Um, so they, and, and he's solid. I mean, when you pet him, you pet him like a dog. Continental giant rabbits are so big because they were originally bred for their meat. Aside from their size, the continental giant also sheds. They're a lot more work than you would imagine. I had no idea how much coat they would shed, even when they're supposed to shed twice a year. Um, and when he sheds, it's, you, could, you could make a duvet cover. I mean, it would fill. Lee Skip is one of the UK's most successful continental giant breeders. She started 12 years ago. They're just so placid and docile and, as I say, to, to me they're more like having a dog than a rabbit. As, as you can tell, he's, he's quite happy sitting on the settee. He jumps up and watches telly. These rabbits can't follow quite as many commands as a dog but they are a lot less expensive. Jackson is great with kids, even babies, but some people are quite intimidated at first. He's, he is quite a sort of, um, sort of pleasant surprise for people, but yeah, they, they sort of aren't quite sort of um, sure of what he's going to do when he's sort of staring them out, which he will do. These continental giants are charming potential pet owners across the UK. In fact, they could give the Easter Bunny a hop for his money. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Bunnies aren't just cuddly pets. They can also work in law enforcement. A California police department has a new member. A canine bunny is now part of the team. Yuba City Police Officer Ashley Carson found the lost rabbit in the middle of a road last October. She took the rabbit to animal control, but he was not claimed by his family. So the department named him Officer Percy after the street he was found on. Officer Percy now has his own tiny canine harness and is serving as the department's wellness and support officer. Thank you for tuning in today. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please feel free to email us at news.today at ntd.com. I'm Chris Beers, NTD News, New York City. Mm -hmm.